Section 6 The Opium Den, The Last Chance, and The Nun of On a Chinese Screen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tiffany Dew. On a Chinese Screen by W. Somerset Magum. Chapters 14 through 16. Chapter 14. The Opium Den. On the stage, it makes a very effective set. It is dimly lit. The room is low and squalid. In one corner, a lamp burns mysteriously before a hideous image, and incense fills the theater with its exotic scent. A pigtailed Chinaman wanders to and fro, aloof and saturnine, while on wretched pallets lie stupefied the victims of the drug. Now and then, one of them breaks into frantic raving. There is a highly dramatic scene where some poor creature, unable to pay for the satisfaction of his craving, with prayers and curses, begs the villainous proprietor for a pipe to still his anguish. I have read also in novels descriptions which made my blood run cold. And when I was taken to an opium den by smooth-spoken Eurasian, the narrow winding stairway up which he led me prepared me sufficiently to receive the thrill I expected. I was introduced into a neat enough room, brightly lit, divided into cubicles, the raised floor of which, covered with clean matting, formed a convenient couch. In one... An elderly gentleman, with a gray head and very beautiful hands, was quietly reading a newspaper, with his long pipe by his side. In another, two coolies were lying, with a pipe between them, which they alternately prepared and smoked. They were young men, of a hearty appearance, and they smiled at me in a friendly way. One of them offered me a smoke. In a third, four men squatted over a chessboard, and a little further on, a man was dandling a baby. The inscrutable Oriental has a passion for children. While the baby's mother, whom I took to be the landlord's wife, a plump, pleasant-faced woman, watched him with a broad smile on her lips. It was a cheerful spot, comfortable, homelike, and cozy. It reminded me somewhat of the little intimate beer houses of Berlin, where the tired working man could go in the evening and spend a peaceful hour. Fiction is stranger than fact. Chapter 15 The Last Chance It was pathetically obvious that she had come to China to be married, and what made it almost tragic was that not a single man in the treaty port was ignorant of the fact. She was a big woman with an ungainly figure. Her hands and feet were large. She had a large nose. Indeed, all her features were large. But her blue eyes were fine. She was perhaps a little too conscious of them. She was a blonde, and she was thirty. In the daytime, when she wore sensible shoes, a short skirt, and a slouch hat, she was personable. But in the evening, in blue silk to enhance the color of her eyes, in a frock cut by heaven knows what suburban dressmaker from the models in an illustrated paper, when she set herself out to be alluring, she was an object that made you horribly ill at ease. She wished to be all things to all unmarried men. She listened brightly while one of them talked about shooting, 
and she listened gaily when another talked of the fright on tea. She clapped her hands with girlish excitement when they discussed the races which were to be run next week. She was desperately fond of dancing with a young American, and she made him promise to take her to a baseball match. But dancing wasn't the only thing she cared for. You can't have too much of a good thing. And with the elderly, but single, Taipan of an important film, what she simply loved was a game of golf. She was willing to be taught billiards by a young man who had lost his leg in the war, and she gave her sprightly attention to the manager of a bank who told her what he thought of silver. She was not much interested in the Chinese, for that was a subject which was not very good form in the circles in which she found herself. But being a woman, she could not help being revolted at the way in which Chinese women were treated. You know... They don't have a word to say about who they're going to marry, she explained. It's all arranged by go-betweens, and the man doesn't even see the girl till he's married her. There's no romance or anything like that, and as far as love goes... Words failed her. She was a thoroughly good-natured creature. She would have made any of those men, young or old, a perfectly good wife, and she knew it. Chapter 16 The Nun the convent lay white and cool among the trees on top of a hill, and as I stood at the gateway, waiting to be let in, I looked down at the tawny river glittering in the sunlight and at the rugged mountains beyond. It was the mother superior who received me, a placid, sweet-faced lady with a soft voice and an accent which told me that she came from the south of France. She showed me the orphans who were in her charge, busy at the lace-making which the nuns had taught them, smiling shyly. And she showed me the hospital where lay soldiers suffering from dysentery, typhoid, and malaria. They were squalid and dirty. The mother superior told me she was a Basque. The mountains that she looked out on from the convent windows reminded her of the Pyrenees. She had been in China for twenty years. She said that it was hard sometimes never to see the sea. Here on the great river, they were a thousand miles away from it, and because I knew the country where she was born, she talked to me a little of the fine roads that led over the mountains. Ah, they did not have them here in China. And the vineyards and the pleasant villages with the running streams that nestled at the foot of the hills. But the Chinese were good people. The orphans were very quick with their fingers, and they were industrious. The Chinese sought them as wives because they had learnt useful things in the convent, and even after they were married, they could earn a little money by their needles. And the soldiers, too, they were not so bad as people said. After all, les pauvres petites, they did not want to be soldiers. They would much sooner be at home working in the fields. Those whom the sisters had nursed through illness were not devoid of gratitude. Sometimes... When they were coming along in a chair and overtook two nuns who had been in the town to buy things and were laden with parcels, they would offer to take their parcels in the chair. Oh, fond, they were not bad-hearted. They did not go so far as to get out and let the nuns ride in their stead, I asked. A nun in their eyes is only a woman, she smiled indulgently. You must not ask from people more than they're capable of giving. How true, and yet how hard to remember. 
End of section six. Recording by Tiffany Dew.